we want to turn, first of all, I'm going to look in uh, John's gospel, John chapter 12, verse 12 through 19. And then uh, we're going to tie it in with uh, the series that we've been teaching on. Of course, uh, this is Palm Sunday, and uh, this is like the triumphal entry of Jesus. And Melody was telling me this morning on the way to uh, service here, uh, she has done a, a Palm Sunday message for the children. And she said, you know, it's, it's absolutely amazing how many things happened from Palm Sunday to Easter Sunday. Uh, because uh, there's a lot in there. She said, I was studying it this week, and she said, I realized, like, just because just I'm trying to figure out what can I include, she's like, I'm only including seven major events, and there's so many more. And she said, it's so true where the Word of God tells us that um, if all the things that Jesus said and did were written down, the world itself, I suppose, could not contain the books uh, because he did and said so many Thanks. And so we're just going to look at a glimpse of that here this morning, and then we're going to tie it into our uh, um, tuned in series. John chapter 12, verses 12 through 19. On the next day, much people were come to the feast. When they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, uh, they took branches of palm trees and went forth to meet him and cried, Hosanna, blessed is the king of Israel that comes in the name of the Lord. And Jesus, when he had found a young, I'm going to paraphrase here, donkey, sat thereon as it's written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, the king comes sitting on a donkey's colt. Uh, these things understood not his disciples at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things were written of him and that they had done these things to him. The people, therefore, uh, that was with him when he called Lazarus out of the grave and raised him from the dead, bear record. For this cause, the people also met him, for they had heard that he had done this miracle. The Pharisees therefore said among themselves, Perceive you how we prevail, you prevail nothing. Behold, the world is gone after him. Amazing because, and actually if you read, if you read there uh, in John's gospel, if you read more, you find like not only did they want to kill Jesus, but they wanted to kill Lazarus. And the reason they wanted to kill Lazarus was because he was telling all these people what Christ had done for him. I mean, I imagine he had some pretty amazing stories. I don't know if he saw heaven or not, but he must have had some pretty amazing stories. And everyone knew, like, this guy was so dead that he was stinking. One of my favorite Bible phrases, by now he stinketh. You know, and we had little babies and they need to be changed. I'm like, Melody, by now he stinketh, you know, uh, or she stinketh. But... Um, I kind of have fun with it, but literally to the point of decay that your body would start to smell Christ redeemed. Christ bought, brought him back. And it's absolutely amazing. But in verse uh, 19 we learn, behold, the world is gone after him. And so turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. So they, they sought to to kill him because they're so tied into their system. They're so tied into their way of doing things. And Jesus came and he's like messing all that up. You know, we've been doing this for hundreds of years, thousands of years. We've got everything taken care of. I have my position. I have my salary. I have uh, my followers. That's I, 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 I. And um, they're looking really just to themselves. I'm going to read this in the Amplified Translation. We'll start with verse 1. Therefore, since we do hold and engage in this ministry, by the mercy of God, granting us favor, benefits, opportunities, and especially salvation, we do not get discouraged. Amen. Let's, let's, I'm going to stop. Let's all say that together. One, two, three. We do not get discouraged. Let's say it again. We do not get discouraged. One more time. We do not get discouraged spiritless and despondent with uh, fear, or become faint with weariness and exhaustion. I don't know about you, but like I, I could like say that every day this week. And like I've been quoting the verse, you know, be not weary in well-doing for in due season you shall reap if you faint not, right? Because uh, what you want to do, what my body wants to do, what my mind wants to do is it wants to faint. It wants to be like, uh, I can't do this anymore. I'm like, I'm going to fall over. But uh, that's where faith kicks in. 
or hopefully where faith should kick in. Uh, because if your faith doesn't kick in, actually you might faint because you can't do it in your own strength, like even we were saying in the giving portion of the service, that the law was a taskmaster. And if you try to do everything by the works, by works, you're going to flat fail. If you try to live the Christian life by works, you will fail. You will not make it. Actually, you would faint and you would fail before the end. But we want to like walk by faith and live by faith and as Hebrews says, enter into his rest. And if we enter into his rest, we can hear at the end of our life, well done, good and faithful servant. But we have to actually be faithful to hear that, right? Well done, good and faithful servant. And um, there's none good but God, Jesus said, and the way to tap into the goodness of God is through Jesus Christ and through the blood of Jesus Christ. When we tap into the goodness of God, then we can actually be faithful. So you have to actually know that God is a good God, and you have to first believe that God is, and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him before you can actually even come to him, we learn. So we want to come to him who is a good God and receive from him and not, be, not faint and be weary. But we want to grab hold, latch on to him, and hold on to him. So in my life, I'm not looking for uh, what I can do. Now, you've got to understand that, of course. We've, we're planting this church. We're in the middle of this church, and I'm looking for other things, all this type of stuff. But to be honest with you, there's so many things to do. It's really, I have to be like, okay, Lord, which one do you want us to do right now? Because there's a lot of things to do. And um, there's a lot of things to attach yourself to. So what I do is I just attach myself to Jesus Christ. And I say, you know what, I'm not attaching myself to what I can accomplish because I cannot do enough. I cannot accomplish enough. I remember when we first uh, started our services last June, and um, there weren't necessarily uh, a lot of people showing up and uh, not a lot of new faces. And I just said, okay, Lord, listen, I'm, and I was working like 80 to 100 hours a week and, uh, at uh, my consulting job. And um, I just said, Lord, listen, like you said, you'd build your church. I'm doing everything I can do. I'm, I'm telling people as I'm out there and, and doing all that, but I can only do so much. And uh, uh, some people, you know, that know me were like, man, like you're like doing all this work, and then you're planning a church, you're doing all this stuff. And that was a very challenging period of time. But I will tell you, it was so good for me, and it was so good for my personality because my personality is like, okay, I'm going to do this, 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 and this. And I came to the end of, like, time. I had no time, like, you know. Everything is one to the next to the next to the next. So I come home and I'm spending a couple hours with my kids as soon as I get home because I would ha my job was out of town. Spend a couple hours with my kids and then I'd read and pray and then I'd get up the next morning and that's, that's normally Saturday by that time because I would get home on a Friday and then I would uh, do a little bit with the kids again and then uh, study, do the same thing, come preach, fly out on Sunday and do the same thing again and again and again and again. And so um, you have no choice but to rely upon God or just fall over. I can remember coming up here, I would come up to the pulpit, and before I get to the pulpit, I thought I was literally going to physically fall over, like, like no physical strength in my body. And I would say, okay, Lord, I'm just latching onto you, because I cannot do this in my own strength. Uh, a little embarrassing, I'd be down there, I'd be crying. People wouldn't normally know it. And then all of a sudden, it's like an inner strength comes, almost like if you put like a crowbar in your back, and it just like props you up, and the strength of God uh, would come. And so I'm not preaching to you something that I haven't done myself or that I wouldn't do myself or that I don't have to do myself. And, um, you know, it's not like I'm like a super Christian, so like every day I would come home and I, from the trip and I'm just, every week I'd come home and I'm just like amazing. No, I mean, I have times where I'm like, Lord, I can't, I can't do this. And I'm like, okay, Lord, forgive me. I'm going to do it in your strength. I'm just looking to you. You're going to help me. You're going to sustain me. You're going to strengthen me. Now, you can't live like that forever uh, because you need rest. And the Lord dealt with me about uh, taking a, a Sabbath, so to speak, and uh, resting. So you have to do that as well. And, um, but uh, the Lord has grace. And there are times in your life when you have extra things going on, and the Lord knows that, and the Lord uh, uh, will work with that. I don't know if you've noticed, but he's smarter than you are, and he's smarter than I am. Thank God. Because if he was just as smart as me and just knew what I knew, I'd be a little disappointed. Would you be disappointed? Yeah. I'd be disappointed. Yeah, very disappointed. So uh, we haven't got out of verse 1 yet, so I'll just start there again. Therefore, since we uh, do hold and engage in this ministry by the mercy of God, granting us favor, benefits, opportunities, and especially salvation, we don't get discouraged, spiritless and despondent with fear, or become faint with weariness and exhaustion. The devil will try to put a fear in you that you can't do it, that this is it. Like, yeah, you've been successful till now, but this is the end. There is no more. You can't do anymore. And um, that's when you just like say, you know what? 
you know, for once, maybe you told the truth. I can't do anymore, but Jesus has already taken care of it. I'm just relying upon him. I didn't know you ever told the truth, but maybe you did. Because the truth is, Jesus has my back. And um, so you really have to, I don't remember who, who I first heard say that, but you have to talk smack to the devil sometimes or talk smack to the, own, the, the thoughts of your own mind because, man, your mind can get racing if you start to think about something and you're focusing on it and all of a sudden all of these thoughts come rushing in like a torrent of water and it can overtake you and overcome. Um, but that's when uh, Philippians chapter 4 says, when you cast all your cares on the Lord, uh, the peace of God which passes all of your understanding. It goes beyond what you can think, like because you or I are sitting there and these uh, circumstances are coming or these thoughts are coming and uh, it seems too big. Uh, sometimes I, I've been in a situation where it even seemed too big for me to lift my voice and say, Lord, take this because I was too overwhelmed by the thoughts that were coming or the attacks that were coming. You felt like closed in and, and encased in really... Uh, fear is what it is, but it was actually worry and stress and all these type of things. Well, um, the blood of Jesus penetrates every bit of that and causes it to uh, dissolve and to disappear. When we cast our cares on the Lord, one translation says that the peace of God will come in like a garrison of soldiers in a turbulent country and quiet us. So you've got all these thoughts rushing in, but then all these soldiers come in. The peace of God comes in and surrounds and then you really start to see the way that God sees. Verse 2, we have renounced disgraceful ways, secret thoughts, feelings, desires, and underhandedness, the methods and arts that men hide through shame. We refuse to deal craftily, to practice trickery and cunning, or to adulterate or handle dishonestly the word of God. But we state the truth openly, clearly, and candidly. And so we commend ourselves in the sight and the presence of God to every man's conscience. And that you know, um, that's the way to live. If you ask me, I, I uh, you know, they say like the millennial generation is the generation that really uh, seeks after authenticity more than almost any other generation or anything. Well, I don't know. I, I'm Generation X, but I love authenticity. And I think really maybe the reason that the millennial generation so seeks after the authentic is there's so much fake now in the world. And, um, you know, I have a background in media, and you can make Photoshop do a lot of amazing things. In fact, uh, Leah Klosterman sent me a text uh, this week with a, an image text, and um, it was a picture of Pastor Mark uh, at some, in the, I think, I don't know, Kenneth Copeland's magazine or something like that. And because um, he's on uh, their television network, he's one of, the, one of the speakers there. And it was a picture of him, and he had both of his thumbs, but he, he lost one thumb when he was like six years old. His brother and him were playing on a bicycle and stuck it in there, and the chain cut it off. And, you know, his, uh, his mom actually at that point was um, having a nervous breakdown. And, um, uh, he comes in and like, Mom, my thumb's gone and bleeding. And she's like, she was uh, actually so depressed that uh, she was locked up in her room, her bedroom. All the lights uh, are off and the windows are, are thrown and she's in there for days and days and days and, and uh, couldn't get out. And um, um, her husband was, uh, I can't remember if he had some health problems, but they were having trouble at the church and having a finance at the church. And Brother Hagen came around. And they got a hold of the word of faith. And I remember in, um, they would attend most of Dad Higgins' camp meetings. And so I remember attending camp meeting, and um, her name was Velma. And um, she would be there, and man, especially once the preaching started, not so much during the worship part, but during the preaching, she would just start running. And she'd run around like the whole church, and she'd run. Actually, I'll just do it. So she would run, and people are up there speaking, and she's older, so she's running like this. And so she keeps running and running. And I'm thinking, you know, I was newly exposed to this stuff, but I was like, this is interesting. And uh, I'd seen people run in church before, and so she's running. And I'm not going to do what she would do because she would run like the whole service. So she's like, keeps running and running and running, and she's laughing, you know. And I thought, that's so. I mean, I understand getting thrilled with the Word of God. I mean, I've run. I run when I get thrilled with the Word of God. But um, she just kept running and running. 
And I thought, boy, that's, that's real interesting. Well, when I started to listen to Pastor Mark, because I'd seen people run and then they sit down, but she just kept running and she's running and she's 80 some years old. Well, when she found out that she had authority over that depression and she had authority over that and she didn't have to be under all of that, she got so thrilled that she started to run. And so whenever she would think about that or whenever anything would try to come back on her, she would just run. And so I like how Pastor Mark always says, you know, you don't know why somebody's doing what they're doing. Maybe you're not going through what they've gone through. And so then you see her run and you're kind of like, run, run, because the Lord set them free. I mean, I don't know if, uh, I've never been in that state where you can't even get out of your room, you know, for days and days and days. But um, like Smith Wigglesworth said, uh, God will pass over a million people just to get to one person that's acting in faith. And she heard faith, like believe God, trust God, and came out from that. Praise God. Awesome, awesome. But she would do it. I still see, I can still see her to this day, just running and running and running, you know, and um, such, a, uh, such a blessing. Praise God. So we also commend ourselves in the sight and the presence of God to every man's conscience. Verse 3, but even if our gospel, the glad tidings also be hidden, obscured, covered up with a veil that hinders the knowledge of God, it's hidden only to those who are perishing and obscured only to those who are spiritually dying and veiled only to those who are lost. For the God of this world has blinded the unbelievers' minds that they should not discern the truth, preventing them from seeing the illuminating light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, the Messiah, who is the image and likeness of God. Now think for a minute, we just read at the beginning of the message, we read about Jesus' triumphal entry. And, you know, they're all saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But there were a whole group of people um, who everybody actually uh, looked up to until Jesus came who weren't shouting Hosanna, who were actually full of wrath and indignation and looking like envy and looking for how can we get rid of this guy? How can we kill this guy? And uh, who do you think was behind that? What do you think was behind that? Because we're not, you know, we learn in the Word of God. Thank God for the Word of God that we can know things that otherwise we would never know. So we're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but we're wrestling against principalities and powers and the rulers of the darkness of this world. It's no coincidence that Velma Hankins was in darkness in her room. It's no coincidence that depression makes everything feel dark, that you feel like there is no hope. It's, uh, you know, that's where people end up sometimes committing suicide because they get in such a pit. Uh, but it's actually a pit of lies. And, um, but that, because it's a pit of lies doesn't mean that there's not the feeling of despair. Because the devil is the master of the sense realm and the realm of feelings. And he wants to keep you bound and keep me bound in the sense realm. Because if he keeps you in the sense realm, if he keeps me in the sense realm and in the thought realm, he'll beat you every time. But when you go to the word of God and you stand in faith, you'll beat him every time. Because he's really no match for anybody that will just act in faith. It doesn't matter the smallest member of the body of Christ, uh, the little toe in the body of Christ. I, I felt like I was a little toe before, have you? <laughs> but the little toe in the body of Christ has the same authority as the head, as Jesus Christ. So it doesn't matter where uh, you think you are, where the devil may tell you are. If you are born again, if you are a child of God, if you're in the kingdom of God, in the family of God, you have all of the authority of Jesus Christ over the power of the devil. And the devil is no match. Uh, but the devil, what he does is he actually goes around pretending like an angel of light. Well, what's an angel of light? Well, he goes around pretending like this is good. This is going to be good for you. This is going to make it better. This is going to be um, a much better situation. Yet inwardly, uh, you know, what is a, a, even like a, a wolf comes in full of ravenous wolves, the Bible says. So outwardly, everything can look good and seem good and sound good. Uh, but sometimes you just have like on the inside, like this is not right. 
this person is not right. There's something wrong. This is, this is not, um, I shouldn't be connected with this or I shouldn't be connected with that person. Now I have young children, so I, I tend to keep my spirit very keen, especially concerning my children and who my children are with. Because not everybody, uh, whether they're a relative or a friend or uh, somebody that you respect, a leader, uh, not everybody is what they appear. So people appear to be a lot of things, but they may not be what they appear to be. So you need to follow your heart because it can affect the lives of your children. It can affect your own life. It can affect the lives of your family, your friends. You really need, uh, and I need, to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, which is one of the reasons that we have been on this study about tuned in, following and discerning the voice of the Spirit of God. Because um, Brother Keith Moore said, you know, a thousand and one questions can be answered by two words, be led. Like, should I do this? Should I buy this house? Right? So say you even have like, let's, let's just say we have like the money in a bank account uh, you have uh, out here, it's, it's more expensive, I've noticed, than some other places of the country. So say you have like $400,000 in an account, and uh, you want to buy a house. So you have the money. Well, are you supposed to buy that $400,000 house or this $400,000 house? Be led, right? So I've done that with cars before. As a young man, you like a nice sports car. And so actually, I bought a good sports car. And I bought it out here. I bought it in Maryland when I lived out here in the mid-90s. And I enjoyed that sports car. And that was a nice, uh, nice car. And, um, but then I bought another car. And when I bought the other car, um, I just thought, well, that's a nice car. I like that car. But I had kind of, and I had like, a, you know what you call it? You don't really fall in love, but you just fell in love with the car. I'm like, oh, I just want to get that car. And I had like an uneasiness on the inside, like, you know, you probably should not buy that car. But I went ahead and bought it because I wanted it. Because like uh, the word says, like it was pleasant to the eyes. And um, one of the things that helps me discern um, something that's not from God is really if you look in Genesis at the first temptation and the first time they fell, it's, uh, it's actually a, a law of Bible interpretation. You could say it's still called the law of first mention. The way it's mentioned the first time, you can actually look at that every time it goes back to there. So you can look at when Adam and Eve were deceived in the garden and find, uh, like match that up with your life. Like if it's pleasant to your eyes, and you think, ooh, that's going to make me better off, and I'm going to, I'm like the car, I'm going to look good in that car, or this is going to be great, or, you know, if I, that was to make them wise, you know. Um, but you have a check on the inside, like they had the Lord say, who said, don't do this. And like where you or I, where it meets us, is we say like, you know, if the Lord was speaking to me in an audible voice, I would for sure obey well, we, we think we would, we get worked up to believe that we would, but the reality is uh, probably the same thing would happen to you that happened to them. Because this, this serpent went and starts whispering and casting all this doubt. And I guess they probably had never heard doubt before. And so I guess it was probably kind of a new type of thing. And they're like, whoa, that never entered my mind because I only heard faith before. Uh, but they started to doubt. And so... We can look uh, in the Word of God and find that we have to constantly stay latched on to Jesus Christ and keep Him. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. Sometimes we make Him just the author, but we don't let Him be the finisher. So we're saying like, well, I started with you. I've seen this with uh, ministers a lot of times. You know, Paul said you have many teachers, but you don't have many fathers in the faith. And so Dad Hagen was a dad to us, and Pastor Mark's a dad to us, and really I could say like, um, like uh, the Word of God says that uh, Brother Hagen planted and Pastor Mark is watered. So it's what you call like a supernatural relationship. It's just somebody that the Lord has hooked us up with and spoken to my life. So those two men of God, when I listen to their messages, their messages have more impact on me than almost anybody else's messages. Uh, because the, for whatever reason, the Lord has chosen to give me a supply through their ministries. And um, it's normally like that with your pastor, and you'll also have other people that just have a supply. So I like to honor my uh, supernatural relationships because it actually blesses them and it blesses me. And I'm able to uh, see clearly. I remember when I first started hearing Dad Hagen, I would, then I'd listen to some other people, and I'm like, I don't know, like I, 
I just get so much out of his messages. I just received so much from his messages. So I kind of unconsciously just kept listening to his messages. You know, now it's good to listen to other people and everything like that too. But as far as like ministers I, I, I listen to, I have a main supply coming in from, from those guys because the Lord has uh, connected me with them. Um, but you have, um, there's lots of teachers, but there's not many people that actually father you uh, in, in uh, the things of God. And you need that. Um, so these things are veiled like to the lost and uh, to the world. So the Pharisees and the teachers and the rulers of the law, they had Jesus Christ himself in the flesh that they had been looking for, someone they had been looking for, and that they had studied more than anybody else had studied was with them. And they repelled him. They pushed him out. And they didn't want to listen to him. And they didn't want to come under him because their position was threatened. Their standing was threatened. And I think coming in uh, Christianity, uh, well, it's actually in the next verse, in verse 5. Um. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. Well, see, they had, not, you know, they, you know, we got to give them a little bit. They weren't born again. So even they're getting in all this pride and everything, and they had no, like, unction on the inside to stop that and, you know, uh, do that. But the problem is... Uh, they were really more interested in preaching themselves and elevating themselves and their position and how much they knew and their knowledge than they were Jesus Christ. So we could find ourselves in the same position because we study the Word of God and we look to God and we look to Jesus Christ. But we should never look to ourselves. So and we should never preach ourselves. We preach Jesus Christ. And if we talk about ourselves, I'm here to serve you. I'm here to tell you about Jesus. I'm here to do the will of my Father who's in heaven. You really, everything that Jesus said about the Father in John's gospel, you can say about the Father. And um, so we're not here to lift up ourselves. We're here to lift up Jesus Christ. And I love, like, you know, I think I mentioned it last week, but the Holy Spirit, uh, when he has come, Jesus said, he will not speak of himself, but whatever he hears that's what he's going to speak. What a great example for us. Because then he goes on to say, he will take the things of mine, of Jesus Christ, and of God's, and he'll show it to you. So I think, to me, that's like a great um, passage of Scripture to stand on for your life and your ministry. I'm just endeavoring to take the things of Christ and the things of God and show it to you. And I do that by the Holy Spirit. I just trust him to give it to me, and then I give it to you. And, um, you know, the greatest way really to reach other people is to tell them your testimony, your personal life experience. And so this is what God did in my life. This is how God changed me. That's really the starting point. And uh, I like to say it in a very down-to-earth sort of way, not, um, you know, thus says the Lord, you know, these, uh, you know, I use the King James Bible quite frequently because I... I went to Bible school with the King James Bible. Dad Hagen always used King James. And so uh, when I first heard it, it was a little hard for me to understand. And now it's just, I, I enjoy reading it. I'm just so used to it. Um, but of course, I read the Amplified as well and many other translations. Barclay is probably my favorite translation. Um, verse 6, For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts so as to beam forth the light for the illumination of the knowledge of the majesty and the glory of God, as it is manifest in the person and is revealed in the face of Jesus Christ. However, we possess this precious treasure, the divine light of the gospel, in frail human vessels of earth, that the grander and exceeding greatness of power may be shown uh, to be from God and not from ourselves. I'll pause for just a second again. I love how he's describing this because we've talked about, you know, you're a spirit, you have a soul, you live in a body. And it's really easy to live out of your flesh and to live flesh world. We talked about 
Sarks last, last week. And um, that's a very simple thing to do. It's like a default thing to do uh, that you're living out of the flesh. But he's like saying, you know what? I'm thankful for my flesh because there I see the glory of God show up because I know I'm weak in the flesh. I know I can't do it in the flesh. And um, so you got to like turn the tables on the devil when he's talking to you and speaking to you and say, you know what, you know, you can't do it. You messed up. Uh, look at, look what you did. You know, uh, you, you cussed that person out or you told them off. You know, you totally got in the flesh. And I'm um, just like, you know what, that's a great opportunity for me to let God show up. Because I know in the flesh, that's what I would do. And you know what? I didn't do that last month. I didn't do it the month before. I didn't do it this month. In fact, I didn't do it at all last year. So look at how God has changed me. So you can take those things where the devil tries to condemn you and just trap you and um, turn them around. I remember, um, you know, Brother Hagin would say, like, my flesh threw me, but my spirit never did consent to it. So you know that because you're born again. You're like, yeah, you know, I yielded to the flesh and should not have done that. Um, but I never did consent to it. The real me never did. I never did approve of it. Verse 8, we are hedged in, pressed on every side, troubled and oppressed in every way, but not cramped or crushed. We suffer embarrassment and are perplexed and unable to find a way out, but not driven to despair. We are pursued, persecuted, and hard-driven, but not deserted to stand alone. We are struck to the ground, but never struck out and destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the liability and exposure to the same, uh, putting to death. That, that, was, that uh, was my iPad changing, changing pages. Um, let me read that again. We are hedged in, pressed on every side. Troubled and oppressed in every way, but not cramped or crushed. We suffer embarrassments and are perplexed and unable to find a way out, but not driven to despair. Uh, you, you hear that? You, this is a man like this saying, like, I've been like in these rough situations. These things happen. I even got embarrassed because look what I did. Look how, look how I messed up or I missed it or didn't understand. Um, and I felt like I couldn't find a way out, but I was never driven to despair. Realize, like, uh, we walk by faith and not by sight. And we have to fight a fight. But what kind of fight is it? It's a fight of what? It's a fight of faith. So we trust God because the devil is going to work in, in the sense realm. The devil's going to come against you, and he's going to come against me in, um, in the realm of the senses. And um, if you get in the sense realm, and if he gets you to live in the sense realm and respond out of the sense realm, what did we say is going to happen? You're going to fail. You're going to mess up. He's going to actually be in control. And if you live according to the ways of this world, he will win because the Bible says that he's the God of this world. But we don't live that way any longer uh, because we actually see ourselves, as we'll read here in a second, crucified with Christ, and we're no longer under the power of this world unless we put ourselves under that power and under that realm. So let's, let's, uh, let's bring this home for a second. So when you have a pain in your body or something going on in your body, the Bible says, uh, we're going to read it here in, um, I think, verse 18, yeah. While we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So we're not looking at the seen, but we're looking at the unseen. So if you have pain in your body or something going on with your body, uh, we say, I don't have pain. I don't have sickness. That's actually looking at and responding to the seen realm and the physical realm. We look at the things which are not seen, and those are eternal. So the thing which is not seen concerning healing is that your body has been redeemed by Jesus Christ, by the blood of Jesus, the stripes of Jesus, uh, 
In 2 Peter 2, 24, by his stripes you were healed. Matthew 8, 17, himself took your infirmities and bare your sicknesses. Uh, Amplified, I think it says, in his own body. And one translation also says he carried him away himself. So while we're people of faith, we're not talking about the non-existence of the seen realm. We're not focused on the non-existence of the seen realm. We're focused on the existence of the unseen realm. And the fact that the unseen realm is what affects the seen realm. That the unfelt realm affects the felt realm. So that we're not looking um, to be like, well, uh, you know, I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say this. I'm not going to say that. It's really what we are saying and what we are believing, not what we're disbelieving. So we believe God. I love Paul. They got shipwrecked, all this stuff. He said, wherefore, sirs, I believe, God, that it will be even as it was told me. That was not in the seen realm. That was in the unseen realm. So um, he's looking not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. Because the things which are seen are temporary. So you could say, like, I, I, you know, there's this pain in my body, but I'm not moved by what I feel. I'm not moved by what I see. I'm moved by what I believe. Because what I believe, the unseen realm actually affects the seen realm. And this is temporary. And I guarantee you it's temporary. Uh, because, uh, you know, no matter what, that pain's going to go. That pain's going to leave. And God's will is that that pain leaves uh, while you live in this flesh body. But if you go to heaven, you're not going to have pain. You're going to have tears. But the good news is uh, Christ redeemed us to live an abundant life in this life, in this body, so that we could walk in health in this body. Hallelujah. Always, verse 10, always caring about in the body the liability and exposure to the same putting to death that the Lord Jesus suffered so that the resurrection life of Jesus also might be shown forth by and in our bodies. For we who live are constantly experiencing and being handed over to death for Jesus' sake, and that the resurrection life of Jesus may also be evidenced through our flesh, which is liable to death. So that's saying like the same way that Jesus went to the cross... We go to the cross, not like we're going there and somebody's going to nail our physical body to the cross, but we say, uh, like Paul said, it's no longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. This life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So I'm not living for myself any longer, which if we have time to, to keep going, we'll, we'll get to that part. Uh, Verse 12, thus death is actively at work in us, but it is in order that our life may be actively at work in you. Yet we have the same spirit of faith as he had who wrote, I believed and therefore have I spoken. We too believe and therefore speak. So your faith is going to speak. And really your faith is going to have a bit of an attitude, a bit of an attitude that God cannot be defeated, that God is more than enough, that he is abundance, that he is El Shaddai for you in this situation. And so one of the ways to bring faith home is like, I believe that the word of God applies to me today in my situation right now. It's really easy to take faith and to put it off into the future. Well, I believe that I'll be healed someday. I believe that I'll be delivered someday. I believe that I'll be financially blessed someday. Well, that means that you're focused or I'm focused too much on what I see around me, on what I feel around me, on what I see in my checkbook, on what other people might see even in me. Dad Hagen taught prosperity when his car was wore out and his shoes were wore out because he saw it in the word of God and started preaching it and believing it and then it came to pass. But he already believed it before it came to pass. Same thing if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, you can come and you can like lift up your hands and wait for the Lord to do something, but nothing's going to happen. He gives the words, you do the speaking. And when we come to him and we say, I want to receive right now, and we take a step of faith, you have to, what is it, Mark 11, 22, 23, 24, we have to believe 
that we receive before we have. And Brother Hagin was on that bed of sickness, and he was trying to, you know, he knew something was in that verse. Knew something was in that verse. Have you ever been there? I've read verses, and I'm like, there's something about that verse. I can't get away from that verse. And I'm reading it, and I know, okay, I'm not getting the full part that's here, but there's something else here. Well, don't stop. Just keep reading it. Keep meditating on it. Maybe, maybe you have to go to work or do something right then. That's fine. Just make sure you make a note. Like, okay, I'm going to look at this again. I'm going to meditate on this again. So he's reading, and all of a sudden, he's like, oh, I got it. I see. I have to believe that I'm healed before I actually feel like I'm healed in my body. And then it comes to pass. So I have to believe that I'm delivered before I feel like I'm delivered. If you're talking about like a depression or a a mental attack or something like that. So I have to believe that my bank account has abundance in it before I can look at the ledger or log into my account and see that it has abundance in it. I have to believe that he's already done everything that's necessary for that abundance so that I'm not, excuse me, worried about where is this coming from because it's not my job to figure out what avenue it's coming down. I don't, ha- I don't have to be concerned if I'm the ocean, which rivers and which streams and which creeks the water's coming from. I just know the water's coming. And so I'm focused on the fact that the giver of the things the giver of health, the giver of deliverance, the giver of finances is on my side and he's got my back. And the reason I know that is not because I'm so good or because I know so much. I saw it in the word. I saw the word of God said, this is the way it is. And I, I trust him. I'm holding on to him. So um, what things soever you desire then when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. And uh, that story I had with this young lady that was at Rama, and she was like, I never connect with God in prayer. You know, I, I feel like I'm just saying stuff, and I just don't. And I said, well, let's do it by faith. And so I used that verse. I said, what things soever you desire when you pray, pray, believe that you receive them and you'll have them. I said, so let's do this. When we start to pray, let's thank God that he hears us right now. Let's actually get excited about it. And so I said, let's pray. And so we prayed, and I said, Father God, we thank you that right now you're hearing our prayer. Even before we began to speak, you knew we were going to pray. You knew we were going to lift our voice. And so that you hear us right now, and you actually speak back to us right now. Thank you that your presence fills this room. Man, the presence of God just, like tangible, like you could say, like I would, if you could picture it in the natural realm, it's like a cloud would fill the room, and you could actually feel like, you could feel the air that you'd press back because there's a little extra pressure in the room like the presence of God just just comes right in. Why? Because God will pass over a million people just to get to one person that's acting in faith. And the way we act in faith is, you know, the way I act in faith is uh, I have lots of thoughts that come to my head. And I'm like, okay, Lord, I've got all these thoughts. Or I'll be like, thoughts, just calm down. This is what the word of God says. I'm putting my focus, like laser focus on that, and I'm listening to that, and I'm expecting that word to produce fruit. So like in that prayer circumstance, I'm taking that young lady, and I'm telling her, like, this word is true. I don't care what you feel like. I don't care what it looks like. This word is true. So we're actually going to act like that's true. And um, that's where... You know, Brother Hagin, pastor, I think it was, I don't know, four or five churches. They were all troubled churches. He said, I don't know why the Lord always sent me to troubled churches. Um, but he did, and he learned a lot that way. And, um, but he'd be sitting at the board meetings. And um, so they have board meetings, and the board just gets all distraught, like, what are we going to do? We don't have the money, or, you know, these people are having trouble. We're fighting with these guys, da, da, da. And, and uh, finally they'd turn to Dad Hagin, and he'd say, we're just going to act like the Bible's true. Faith is acting like the Bible's true. It's a very simple, uh, very uh, boil-it-down sort of way. Uh, And the way to act like the Bible's true, the best way, is to just look at the Word so much that you're like, that's the way I see it. And it's awesome because your head will be like, this makes no sense. I'm like, I know, that's great. 
because this is the word of God. And my head's only really trying to respond to what it is used to, the senses and all of the realm of reason. Uh, but the spirit man that's on the inside of you is just thrilled with the word of God and thrilled with stepping out in faith and acting in faith. Verse 14, Assure, uh, assured that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will raise us up also with Jesus and bring us along with you into his presence. For all these things uh, are taking place for your sake so that the more grace, divine favor, and spiritual blessing extends more and more people and multitudes through the many, the more thanksgiving may increase to the redound to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not become discouraged, utterly, utterly spiritless, exhausted, and wearied out through fear. Though our outward man is progressively decaying and wasting away, yet our inner self is being progressively renewed day by day. For our light momentary affliction, this slight distress of the passing hour is even more and more abundantly preparing and producing and achieving for us an everlasting weight of glory beyond all measure, excessively surpassing all comparisons and all calculations of vast and transcendent glory and blessedness never to cease." Since we consider and look not to the things that are seen, but to the things which are unseen. For the things that are visible are temporal, brief and fleeting. But the things which are invisible are deathless and everlasting. I love that. They're deathless and everlasting. So he's saying, in Amplified, we're not looking at the things which are seen. We're looking at the things which are not seen. And verse 17, it actually surpasses all comparisons and calculations. So you can like compare and calculate, and um, if you're talking about like sickness in your body, it's real easy to compare on Google, because uh, I've gone to Google, and you look, and you're like, what is this, and what, you know, it feels like this, or it sounds like this. Well, it's not bad to do some research and find some stuff out, but uh, like we said with King Asa, we did, I think you ought to just put God first. So you leave God to be the primary source, and um, you know, certainly we're thankful for doctors, and if you need a doctor, you should go to a doctor. And, um, but trust God. Uh, in all things, believe. Believe God. Um, I'll close it with what uh, Jesus said to Jairus. And that was, remember, his daughter was at home sick. And he said, you know, please, you know, come pray for my daughter. So he starts to go, and then the woman with the issue of blood interrupts him, and it's like, you know, she grabs some power out of him and gets healed, and then, you know, there's all these crowds following him, and then somebody comes up in the, right after this woman was healed and said, hey, don't bother Jesus anymore. She's dead. It's too late. It's all over. And Jesus immediately, it says, said, don't be afraid. Only believe. So whatever you're facing today or whatever is coming against you today, Jesus is saying to you, don't be afraid. Only believe. So, like, don't try not to doubt, all this other type of stuff. Don't be afraid, only believe. So we're not of fear, but we're believing God. Uh, fear has torment, the Bible says, and fear will grip you and tie you down and prevent change, positive change. It actually causes negative change. And so um, any man, any woman can be changed by faith no matter what the bondage is, no matter what is holding you down, no matter what is holding you back, no matter what is coming against your mind, and no matter what is coming against your body, no matter what is coming against your finances. Anyone can be changed. But don't be afraid, only believe. So it's pretty easy. The Lord said, you know, I didn't make it complicated. I give you one assignment. Believe. Don't be afraid. Believe. Because sometimes uh, you realize, you're like, I'm trying to believe. I'm trying to believe. Uh, well, don't try it. Just do it. But Jesus said first, don't be afraid. Because if you get in fear, you really can't believe because you're in fear. And that's where I love uh, Philippians 4, that uh, do not fret or have any anxiety about anything, but in everything, 
with prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. So if you have this like, yeah, but I'm trying to fear. They said my daughter's dead. They said my daughter's dead. Jesus said, wait, pay attention. Don't fear. Don't be afraid. Just believe. So then you're saying, okay, fear, I resist you in the name of Jesus. I am not going to fear. I believe God. So you come against the fear, you believe God. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you that your word has set us free. You said we would know the truth and the truth would set us free or make us free. And Father, I um, thank you for the great freedom that we have in Jesus Christ. If you're here this morning with every head bowed and every eye closed and you don't know Jesus Christ or you're listening you don't know Jesus Christ, I want to pray with you and for you. You can be in relationship with him today. Just slip up your hand or email us at info at anchordc.org. If you're here and you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, the evidence of speaking in other tongues, you can be. It's actually a way to conquer your flesh and to live beyond the realm of the flesh because you're over in the realm of the Spirit. If that's you, just slip up your hand or also email us. We can send you some materials or pray with you. If you're here this morning and um, you're overcome with fear, you're overcome with um, something going on in your body, something attacking your mind, you like us to pray with you, to lay hands on you. I just invite you to come forward, we'll pray with you, pray for you. It, um, the power of God is greater than the power of the devil. It's not even, it's, you can't even really say it in the same sentence because the power of God is so much greater and so much stronger. I want you to pray this prayer with me, after me. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for bringing me into your family. I'm not going to live another day bound by the devil, bound by fear. Fear you go in Jesus' name. I was bought with a price by the blood of Jesus. And that blood is speaking for me right now in the one true holy of holies in heaven forever speaking deliverance soundness preservation and wholeness in Jesus name amen